Loving Sairam and greetings once again from Prashanti Nilayam. It's truly a wonderful feeling and a blessing at the same time to bring to you the essence of the message of the Lord which is Mama Dharma. This is a word that ought to rule our lives yet almost everyone on earth is ignorant about it. The Lord came down as Krishna and is now with us again in the physical form of our beloved Swami simply to remind us to follow mama dharma and never deviate from it nevertheless we are hardly aware of what mama dharma is which is why radio sai has decided to offer this series we hope you like and are able to understand what we are trying to convey with that introductory note let me resume from where i left off last time last time I had started with you on my tour of the second chapter of the Gita entitled Sankhya Yoga meaning yoga of discrimination and wisdom Just to recap Arjuna who had earlier decided to fight for the cause of dharma was at the last minute trying to quit Fighting for dharma is not easy and most of us tend to chicken out when the price seems to be high It is because most of us abandon mama dharma for some reason or the other that the world today is beset with all kinds of problems and finding ourselves in a huge mess we ask stupid questions like why did god create this world with all these problems why does not god appear and sweep away all these problems with his divine powers etc not for a moment do we say this is a mess we created and that is because we systematically chose to ignore the lessons so mercifully given by the lord not only via sages and prophets but also during his personal appearances on earth as an avatar since it is a mess that we have created it is evident that it is we who must clean it up we simply cannot pass the buck and ask god to sweep the chaos that is our making that would be like adding insult to injury Man going astray is nothing new and that is why way back Lord Krishna told Arjuna where he was going wrong and what he had to do by way of mid course correction especially in terms of making the right choice making the right choice is what the second chapter called the yoga of discrimination and wisdom is all about let me now quickly recall the important points i made last time before we proceed further i said the following one arjuna was confused about what exactly his duty was he had two options before him and reasoning in a particular way he thought it was best for him not to fight he conveyed his anxiety and doubts to krishna and sought refuge in him two the lord began by chiding arjuna and then told him that he was making a wrong choice 3 krishna added that the wrong choice was the result of arjuna not being able to discriminate properly the lord then pointed out that discrimination would fail when there is attachment the question now becomes how does this attachment arise Krishna has the answer in the following shloka Dwelling with the mind on sense objects develops attachments 
attachment leads to desire and desire breeds anger this is shloka 2.62 krishna continues from anger rises delusion delusion promotes confusion of the mind confusion generates loss of reason and finally loss of reason leads to complete ruin this is shloka 2.63 he attains peace who conquering desires lives without the feeling i or mine this is shloka 2.71 it is important to spend some time digesting the above observations of the lord let me start with attachment attachment is a feeling entirely connected with this world we get attached to things we like and to people we like among other things arjuna was attached to his grandfather his guru and his relatives one may argue that this is but natural yes in a purely world sense attachment is perfectly natural and is to be expected however attachment has its dangers in particular it can cloud one's judgment let me give some examples of how attachment can and does cloud judgment take the case of the blind king dhritarashtra he was so attached to his sons that he invariably overlooked their faults that was then and it happens to be so even now how frequently we hear of political leaders who are blind to the faults of their family members who exploit the position of the leader concerned consider next a surgeon whose child is very sick and has to be operated medical ethics require that the surgeon should not perform the operation why because his attachment may make him lose his cool as a result of which he could make serious mistakes in the judicial world a judge cannot preside when one of his relatives appears before the court in a case especially a criminal one similarly a teacher cannot set a question paper for a public examination for which his son or close relative is appearing this would be a case of conflict of interests what i am trying to say is that prevailing social norms and customs already admit the fact that attachment can cloud judgments that is what the lord pointed out thousands of years ago and in a larger as well as a deeper context the point is simple attachment springs from body consciousness and leads to wrong conclusions and decision making in general attachment arises from giving importance to the transient while ignoring the permanent thus far i have considered the immediate consequences of attachment in the gita krishna takes us much further he reminds us that attachment can plunge one into disaster that precisely is what happened in the case of the kauravas you will recall that the kauravas were greedy and jealous that clouded their judgment and prevented them from seeing the difference between the transient and the permanent net result one they did everything possible to dispossess the pandavas two that in turn led to the war three finally they all perished because the end and the means were both wrong as i said earlier since we are all worldly creatures attachment is to some extent inevitable however we must at least try to keep it to a minimum 
and at crucial moments keep it at bay so that our judgment can be clear in short we must learn to be calm being calm cool headed and having an attitude of equanimity is no doubt a virtue in management circles equanimity is a must for worldly leaders also so that they can think calmly when confronted with crises and disasters in the spiritual world too it is vital because as krishna says it helps one to withstand the ups and downs of life swami tells us that worldly forces would always try to batter us even as powerful waves crash on the rocks on seashores however even as the rocks don't budge our minds too must remain steady and calm this comes via sense and mind control that swami reminds us about so often in the gita krishna gives the first introduction to that topic in chapter 2 the theme is of course elaborated upon later so what does krishna have to say about equanimity this is what he declares endowed with equanimity one frees oneself in this life from good and evil alike therefore devote thyself to yoga verily work done to perfection is yoga this is shloka 2.50 please note what krishna says about doing whatever it is that we do to perfection god is perfection and he loves to see perfection in our work i would at this point also like to quote a sufi poem that beautifully describes the attitude of a perfectly detached person the poem goes like this and i quote at night prisoners forget their prison at night kings force their power no sorrow no breeding over gain and loss no thought of this person or that that is the state of the liberated person even when he is wide awake that is a sufi poem now notice the word liberated that occurs in this poem this word conveys the idea that a person who is always calm and unruffled is free from mental disturbances that the ups and downs of life can cause in that sense he is liberated by the way krishna describes such a person as a sthita pragya elaborating further krishna says what is night for all beings is for the enlightened one day and that which is day for others is to him who dwells in the self night this is shloka 2.69 krishna refers to the sthita pragya as the enlightened one why because such a one is able to clearly distinguish the difference between that which is permanent and that which is temporary having understood the difference such a person immerses himself in the contemplation of the inner self of the atma which is of course permanent and thereafter he is least bothered about the tornadoes of life it is to highlight this difference that krishna says that what is night for others is day for him etc etc commenting on this swami says that people misunderstand this shloka to mean that he who is awake at night when the world sleeps is a sthita pragya Swami adds that if that were true, then all night watchmen would qualify to be sthita pragyas. That's not what Krishna meant. What Krishna meant was that what ordinary people thought was real was to the sthita pragya unreal, while what people took to be unreal was in fact real. I hope this discussion is clear.
At this point, I am sure many would be ready to quit saying that what Krishna asks for is most unrealistic. How can one deliver the moon, all of us would tend to ask. In fact, at one point, Arjuna himself raises this issue and Krishna answers the query. We shall come to the, all that later, but here I would like to say that with discipline, such a control can be achieved. It is just that we are not prepared to pay the price for achieving self-discipline. This is not to say that people would not go to great extent of trouble to attain worldly ambitions. Just look at the number of people who are ready to die just to become movie stars or sports stars or politicians and so on. Some people go to the extent of doing absolutely crazy things just to get into the Guinness Book of Records. There are people who take great delight in growing fingernails that are one meter long, beards that are two meters long and so on. They go to enormous extent to spend a month or so in a glass cage in the company of hundreds of scorpions, etc. In other words, if people really want, they can do very difficult things. So, it all boils down to willpower. While many exert themselves to achieve all sorts of worldly ambitions, when it comes to mental discipline for achieving spiritual goals, then suddenly it all becomes so very difficult and impossible. Swami says, as you are, so you become. If you want to be acknowledged as a great one in the world, you would become a great one by much effort. Similarly, if you want to be really good, you can achieve that goal also through a lot of effort. It is just that most people do not want to do the latter, dismissing that objective as worthless. People often yearn for peace. However, few realize that peace, which really means mental calm, will not drop like manna from heaven. It comes only through a systematic effort to cultivate detachment. And remember, detachment means no attachment. And when one is able to become detached, one would really enjoy great inner peace. Commenting on this, Krishna says, He attains peace, who conquering desires, lives without the feeling I or mine. This is Sloka 2.71. I think I should start wrapping up this talk by summarizing for you what the second chapter is all about. This is the chapter where Arjuna surrenders to Krishna and seeks the Lord's guidance. In the Gita Vahini, Swami describes this scene as follows and I quote, Arjuna, there are many reasons for your sorrow, but the most fundamental one is your ignorance. Unaware of your true nature, you have been overwhelmed with grief. But now you have cried out for God and for Dharma. The moment you cry out for God, it becomes yoga. When you cry for me, I will take care of you and give you everything you need. End of quote. Arjuna says he would not fight because people would be killed. Swami points out that it is not killing that made Arjuna have doubts. As a warrior, he had killed many in battle earlier. What made him have doubts now is the fact that the people who might now die could be his blood relatives. In other words, the feeling of mine was beginning to dominate in him. That and not the killing per se was the source of his doubts. 
Recognizing this, Krishna tells Arjuna that his problem was not being able to distinguish properly between the real and the unreal, between the transient and the permanent, between truth and untruth. Krishna then points out that the only thing eternal is the all-pervading Atma. The people we see around us, indeed all living creatures are nothing but the embodiments of the Atma. When a person dies, only the external casing called the body dies, while the Atma within remains intact. That is not surprising, since being divine and eternal, the Atma is beyond all destruction by the most powerful of worldly forces. Krishna tells Arjuna not to be a fool and weep for that which is eternal. Krishna follows this up by explaining to Arjuna why he is so confused. It was all because his buddhi had become blunt. When buddhi fails to operate, one gets drowned in spiritual ignorance, no matter how smart one might be on the worldly plane. That precisely was what had happened to Arjuna. So, the question now becomes, how to get rid of spiritual ignorance? Krishna tells Arjuna that for that to happen, a prerequisite is equanimity. How does one achieve equanimity? Well, for that one has to practice sense and mind control. Tough it might be, but it's not so tough if one perseveres, if one is disciplined and if one cultivates patience. Remember Swami telling us about the three Ps, patience, perseverance and purity? That advice was first given by Swami to Arjuna 5000 years ago. So, in reverse order, we must first try to become pure through perseverance. We would then achieve equanimity. In turn, that would enable us to discriminate properly and make all the right choices when it comes to right action. And in a sense, right action is really what Mama Dharma is all about. So you see, once again, I have come back to Mama Dharma. All this becomes pretty obvious when explained, but it's not so obvious when we try to read all that from the Gita. I am able to explain in simple terms. I hope they are simple. I am able to do that because Swami has done it earlier in so many different ways on so many different occasions. Let us take a minute off to thank Swami for that. These days, modern man imagines himself to be damn smart just because he has invented the TV, internet, the mobile phone and whatnot. Yes, the Medha Shakti or the worldly intelligence of modern man has enabled him to split the atom and tinker with the genome, etc. But, as Swami says, of what use is all that when man cannot recognize God walking on earth? By the way, I must not omit to point out the importance of the following sloka to which I have already made a reference earlier. And the sloka is, Action alone is the province and not the fruits thereof. Seek not the fruits of action, nor shouldst thou avoid action. This is sloka 2.47. This sloka which is often cited as the basis of karma yoga is also the gene of Mamadharma. I shall have more to say about this later in the next talk when I shall be discussing the third and fourth chapters. But here I would like to mention the following. Normally, when we do something, we generally tend to ask, what's there in it for me? Such a question is born of selfishness and self-interest. For example, these days, everybody complains heavily about adharma, corruption and whatnot. But who lifts his little finger to do anything about that? 
If the question were to be raised, people would shrug and say, I say, be practical. Corruption cannot be fought by a small person like me. That is another way of saying, why should I struggle to fight corruption? It's a thankless job. What's there in it for me? This is the standard way of ducking the difficult job of protecting dharma. Arjuna too was running away from his job of protecting dharma, though he was not quite aware of it. Krishna shocked him by drawing attention to things that matter more than the transient affairs to which we normally give so much importance. So you see, one way or the other, it all boils down to Mama Dharma. The roots of Mama Dharma may be in the spiritual world, but its trunk and branches are in the real practical world. A few final thoughts about the second chapter. Swami says, and I quote, The second chapter is an extremely important part of the Gita. You have to take this chapter stanza by stanza and spend, if need be, two to three days with concentration, trying to understand. Each word of each verse in this chapter can be considered as a rare jewel. It is only when you can completely understand the nature of Sankhya Yoga that you would be able to understand the Gita in full. End of quote. One more remark. We all know that Gandhi drank constantly and deep from the Gita. Concerning this, Swami says, and I quote, Mahatma Gandhi used to read the Sankhya Yoga twice or thrice whenever his mind was restless and perturbed. It restored his peace of mind. The Sankhya Yoga is the life of the Gita. End of quote. So you see, the Sankhya Yoga teaches us how equanimity would help us to overcome mental restlessness. These days, it is fashionable for people in the corporate sector to go in search of gurus who teach meditation, etc., etc. All this is nice up to a point. But the real basis for all this is, is the Sankhya Yoga. I do not know how much corporate managers of today would like to hear about the Sankhya Yoga. Modern managers might not be interested, but Krishna made sure he devoted an entire chapter on yoga of meditation. That would come later. In summary, what I have tried to stress in this talk is the importance of detachment and equanimity in adhering to Mamadharma. The question might be asked, how is it possible to be so detached and yet so active in this practical world which is so full of all kinds of distracting forces? Well, this is an important question and we should come back to it later. But here I would like to say in passing that interestingly the answer to this question was first given in the famous Yogava system taught by sage Vasista to Lord Rama much earlier. I have said so many things and I hope I have not lost you. Sometimes I worry about that. So please do write back your reactions and comments to the usual address. I am sure you know what that is. Meanwhile, thank you and Jai Sai Ram.